Going all the way back to my university days, I studied chemical engineering at McGill. I always wanted to mitigate climate change and contribute to what I view as one of the largest existential crises of our generation, certainly. Uh, but I thought I was going to be designing renewable energy systems, whether it's designing utility-scale photovoltaic grids or maybe potentially working in nuclear uh, or something else. I wanted to work in energy. Halfway through my degree, I was really only able to get jobs out in the oil sands out in Alberta in Western Canada. And that was really the opposite of what I wanted to do. And so I would then do a little bit of a mid-degree pivot into becoming a software developer because those are the only jobs I could get. And then right after I graduated, I would join a small hospitality startup called Flatbook, which would become known as Sonder. And when my co-founder and I, Aaron Grunfeld, decided we were going to leave Sonder, we, I really wanted to make sure I brought it back to climate change. You know, I had taken this six-month programming startup detour, and I wanted to see if we could combine that experience with chemical engineering, as well as the still the current urgency associated with climate change. Welcome to Career Crashers, where we tell the stories of those who are not content to wait around following rules and hoping for good things to happen. Great careers aren't found, they're forged. It's time to crash the party. Over the past two decades, climate change has crept into center stage of the public spotlight for biggest problems to solve on planet Earth. Although our climate has changed many times, leading to ice ages and extinctions, what we're living in today is by far the fastest change. Since the start of the Industrial Revolution, we've emitted more and more greenhouse gases into our atmosphere, and Earth's natural cleansing systems just can't keep up. Scientists have estimated that at our current rate of greenhouse gas emissions, it'll take less than seven years to increase the global average temperature by just a degree and a half Celsius. At that point, scientists think that we'll start to see some of the same big climate impacts we see today begin to go from bad to outright terrifying. So the question becomes, how can we reverse this process? There are lots of companies trying to solve this giant societal existential challenge. And I spoke with the founder of one of those companies. Brennan Spellacy is the CEO and co-founder of a new software startup called Patch that's setting out to help solve this giant problem. Patch is a series of APIs that help you fight climate change. Um, the way we do that is we partner with a wide variety of carbon removal and carbon offset technologies on our platform from direct air carbon capture to traditional reforestation. And then we expose that inventory via API. So whether you wanna offset or remove as little as a gram of CO2 from the atmosphere to as much as 10 tons, 100 tons, 1,000 tons, it can all be done through the same interface. Now, carbon removal isn't a new concept, nor is it the only way to have a positive impact on climate change. But while there's a ton of focus on electric vehicles and clean emissions, it seems like removing the pollution we've already created is something far fewer companies are working on. There's two major buckets you can look at uh, mitigating climate change with. There's the reduction bucket. So that's things related to decarbonizing the grid, electrifying vehicle fleets, or as well as behavior change where you perhaps you buy um, from more sustainable brands like an Everlane, or perhaps you uh, find a way to not use plastic anymore. There are a lot of plastic-free grocery businesses getting spun up. 
Uh, and then the other bucket is the actual idea of carbon removal or taking CO2 out of the ambient air. And what we felt was the former group, the reduction group, actually had an immense amount of momentum behind it. And despite the fact that there's so much work to be done still, we felt that the carbon removal bucket was far, far lagging behind. Um, and this is something that doesn't get talked about that much, but most climate models have us needing to remove anywhere from 10 to 20 gigatons of CO2 per year from the atmosphere for the next four to five decades. Um, and we're not even remotely at that capacity. We're doing about a hundredth of that capacity globally right now. And so what we really need is for carbon removal as a whole to scale anywhere from 50 to 100 times over the next 10 to 15 years. And really like there is not remotely enough effort going into this space, which is why we decided to focus specifically on carbon markets and carbon removal. Now, there are certain specific companies working on carbon removal itself, but Patch is building something even bigger than any single carbon removal project. They're building a platform with an API. API stands for Application Programming Interface. It allows programmers to easily integrate with each other's software, automate things, and scale. In Patch's case, they're building an API specifically for two groups of companies, both looking to impact climate removal. In Patch's case, they're building an API specifically for two kinds of companies that are involved in the climate positive carbon removal space. The thing that's a little bit different about Patch is this API first component. And the reason we took this approach is if you go back to that 20 gigaton goal per year, that's 20 trillion kilograms. Okay, so it's an immense amount of mass. And our thought process was, well, whatever you know, 20 trillion, that's, a, that's a, a, a very difficult number to even like understand or conceptualize, but it's gonna come from, those emissions are gonna come from hundreds of billions of transactions, which will come from, which will require hundreds of billions of carbon calculations and capital allocations in order to get that CO2 out of the air. And our thought process was, well, whenever hundreds of billions of anything happens in the span of a year, it's usually a computer doing it. So how do you build an interface that a computer can understand, an API, they can plug into the existing systems of record we've built over the last two decades, whether that's an ERP, an e-commerce platform, or a fintech, the platforms I listed before, uh, they really only need to be augmented in order to be sustainable. They don't need to be replaced completely. And so the idea behind Patch is how do you provide folks with that additional Lego brick or that API or that toolkit, much like a Twilio or a Segment that can augment these existing systems. These systems are built by what we call carbon offset developers. These are companies that build carbon capture facilities and other kinds of solutions and then sell the rest of us the ability to remove carbon from the atmosphere and tell everybody that we're doing that. It, looks, it works just like real estate development, but instead of getting rent as the recurring revenue for like a new building that might have been built, it's selling either carbon offsets or carbon removal. And what Patch does is it provides a new distribution channel um, for these carbon removal and carbon offset developers. So they'll load their inventory on the API and essentially get more liquidity where they can sell much smaller amounts and much larger amounts regardless of their sales team capacity. And so it's a net new demand channel for them. It's not a surprise that Patch is popular among these developers. Anytime you can offer businesses a new way to reach more customers, you've got their attention. But you might be asking yourself, as I did, Who's buying these carbon offsets? For people like you and me, there are websites where you can offset your own carbon footprint in small ways. And just like you and I want to be climate conscious, 
so too are there companies, more and more of them, that are looking for ways to remove and offset their carbon emissions. Typically, we partner with technology or tech-enabled companies who want to offer some sort of climate positive or carbon neutral service or experience. So whether that's a last mile delivery company, whether that's an e-commerce platform or a fintech or a payment facilitator, we have many different types of companies plugging into Patches API using a variety of different use cases. Businesses are doing this both for the mission oriented component, but as well as because their consumers or their investors are demanding of them. Yet, even though these companies and investors are focusing on being carbon neutral and climate positive, it's still been prohibitively complicated and expensive for them to take action until patch. When you dive into carbon markets and carbon removal, you find there are a lot of things broken with it, specifically as it relates to um, clarity on what you're purchasing. So historically, there's been a lot of opaque supply chains with traditional carbon offsets, as well as with carbon removal. There's actually quite a bit of newer science. It's actually difficult to traverse. Additionally, the activation energy to participate in these markets is quite high. You either have to have some sort of internal team and expertise, as well as you're doing traditional B2B procurement. Right, So you're negotiating with your partners, you're running due diligence on them, negotiating uh, payment terms. Navigating the these carbon markets as a whole is fairly complex. And so the idea behind Patch is to remove all of this cruft and replace it with software to allow for more, more efficient supply and demand matching. They're comparing forests to direct our carbon capture to enhanced weathering and a bunch of other different technologies far, far easier, making a little bit more apples to apples, and then enabling people to have effectively no commitments as well, right? So there's no minimum order quantities on patch. There's no lock-in or contracts or anything to that effect. You just pay for what you use. Again, this is the magic of APIs and what patch is doing. Building this API for climate conscious people to buy from carbon offset developers is going to have a massive impact on our ability to reverse climate change. Even this early in their journey though, Patch's big vision goes far beyond just helping more companies adopt climate positive behaviors. We really want to provide the infrastructure to automate away any sort of negative environmental externality associated with any given transaction. So much like when you swipe your credit card today and you know that your information is going to be encrypted, it's going to be securely tokenized and stored. Um, we believe the next iteration of that is when you buy a flight or a hamburger or whatever you might be doing that has some sort of negative environmental impact, both with carbon as well as there's most likely going to be a social and a like uh, like pollution impact, societal impact. How do you handle as much of that as possible programmatically? Um, and what's interesting is a lot of the times we get pushback on this type of vision because uh, it makes people be less mindful, right? Where, you know, if a very common feedback of carbon removal is like, well, you can just emit unlimited amounts if you're offsetting or, or if you're compensating for it. And, and that's not a good um, behavior to reinforce. And while I agree with that, at the same time, the scale at which we have some of these problems at, you know, we, going back to that, you know, we have so like tens and tens of gigatons of CO2 we have to take out of the atmosphere. We're actually not going to be able to get to that scale without taking it off the plate of the average person interacting with the world. I mean, if you think about the average person, they have rent to pay, they might have kids, school, their job, whatever it might be. The last thing they're going to do um, is additional carbon accounting or additional evaluation of their societal 
or environmental impact. Some will, and those are really the early adopters, and I really like, quite frankly, those people are better, are better, better people than I am. Uh, but if we really want to get to like human planet scale, where you know the uh, associated impact of hundreds of millions or billions of people are mitigated or minimized, we're going to have to use computers and automation to do that. If all this sounds pretty exciting to you, keep listening. Now that we've covered the giant problem patch aims to solve and their specific solution and their future vision, let's dive into the company itself. Although we seem like an API company on the outside, we're really a, quite frankly, like a carbon removal and a storytelling company at the core, um, where our job is to drive capital to these carbon removal projects and help people understand how to make that decision and why they're doing that. Now, we believe one of the most efficient ways to deploy said capital is via APIs, but there are a lot of other use cases that we're building out of Patch that don't require integrating with API at all. Where if you're just ahead of sustainability, you can hop into Patch's dashboard, construct a portfolio, and you're off to the races. You don't have to include your dev. Most of our capital is going to be allocated to people. And it's going to be primarily across engineering and design. Uh, like you said, design is incredibly important, especially when it comes to both that in-app learning experience as well as the storytelling. So there's going to be like, we have to build a lot of really both elegant and powerful user flows, but at the same time, be able to do a lot of visual storytelling to either the CEOs of these companies, the, chief, the head of sustainability of these companies. Um, and then finally, on the other side, it's uh, sales and marketing, right? So how do we make sure we're kind of understood as the de facto way to take CO2 out of the air if you're a technology or a tech-enabled business and make sure that we're in the room when people are having these sustainability conversations. It's, we're going to be waiting more heavily to uh, what would be like traditional outbound sales. Um, right now, we're not making the differentiation between like an account exec and a BDR. Uh, we're kind of just looking for generalist sales folks who can take a deal from end to end. As with most startups, Patch is looking for people with enough experience that they aren't completely raw. But remember, if you're still early in your career, don't really have a lot of experience, you can still create your own experience by learning out loud and proving that you're a fast learner. Brennan himself is no stranger to this. I mean, at the end of the day, like I'm still early in my career, right? Like I'm not going to sit up here and be like, oh, I'm super experienced. And like I'm five years out of university. Okay, so like, let's keep things in perspective. I am still early in my career. So I'm not, that's, that's by no means, um, being early in your career is like a, a um, an eliminating factor. That being said, um, some of the really important things I think for being early in your career and like getting the shot taken on you, um, first is probably coachability. So can you take that feedback? You know, you're a raw ball of energy. How do you let someone, um, you know, who's kind of had a couple looks mold you a little bit. So, you know, I think there's, again, you have to, as the person receiving the feedback, you also have to be mindful of where are they coming from, right? Are they coming from a world that is totally unlike the one you're in, in which case it might make sense to discount it, or is there an analogy there that you can apply to your current situation? Unfortunately, there's a lot of nuance and there's no like, if this, then that type in this situation. You're gonna have to be super open-minded and think really critically about these types, the type of feedback you're getting. But coachability is super, super important. Um, and then, uh, again, this concept gets thrown out a lot, which is why intercept versus slope, right? So you have to be an incredibly fast learner if you're gonna be successful at a startup in any case, but also, especially if you're early in your career. You know, if you have, say like an average rate of learning across like all people ever, it's probably not gonna work out because 
there's the learning you have to do in order to be a successful salesperson or engineer in like a large, slow-moving company. And then there's the additional learning on top of that you have to do to be successful in a really fast-moving startup where, truthfully, a lot of us might not know exactly where we're heading. And so everyone needs to be a really rapid learner. So it puts the onus of rate of learning to be even, or the bar of rate of learning to be even higher than the maybe more experienced person because they have a little bit of Y-intercept advantage on you already. That's how I really benefited from that when I worked at Shopify. So when I did my programming interview at Shopify, like I, I bombed it. Like I, I did absolutely terribly. So there was a live interview as well as a challenge. And so we did the live interview first. Um, and I got the feedback that it just it went quite poorly. But then they offered me the ability to do a take home challenge and they gave me a week to do it. And so some of the concepts, like basically every concept that I had gone wrong, it was a JavaScript programming challenge, um, specifically with this data visualization library called D3. Everything that I got wrong in that interview, I made sure I demonstrated in the challenge to show that I actually had made progress week over week. And the, I think between that and the even the audacity to go from chemical engineering into programming, which are, are pretty different, at least from the domain-specific knowledge, was enough signal to say, hey, if you compound this like um, change in direction as well as rate of learning over three, six, 12 months, there could actually be a programmer in this person. And they still gave me the internship regardless. And it was really because of my like ability or my theoretical ability to learn quickly. And I ended up picking things up quite quickly and would work at the office for like 10 or 11 a night because I had to play catch up with all of my other intern peers who were taking computer science. And I was only doing chemical engineering. So it's definitely not to say that it's like an uncommon path. And truthfully, I actually benefited from say, someone taking an early chance on me. Um, but again, Shopify then was a four or 500 person company already. So you kind of have that critical mass and you have that infrastructure to mold that person. Some of the best people I've ever worked with are experienced, but also have that beginner's mind where they actually know how to weigh when to pull in their past experience and then when to not throw it out the window, but put it on pause and say, hey, what if I was looking at this with none of my past experience? How would I think about this problem? And then ideally synthesize those two perspectives together. And that's really where the magic happens in a lot of cases. Every single person we're bringing on, uh, while they are incredibly talented and smart, also need to be passionate. Um, there is a diminishing return with levels of experience, I think at some point, especially at an earlier stage company where, you know, we actually don't need engineers who know how to, um, you know, build systems that can handle millions of queries per second, because we don't have that scale for a startup. So really like you might, when you're, if you're putting your software engineering hat on right now, five, six, seven years of experience is actually probably sufficient. And then when you hold that constant, you're gonna optimize for who's the better culture or passion fit after that part. Um, so I think there is a diminishing return at some point. That being said, I'm at least at like when you're like a five, six, seven person company, I think you do want to try optimizing for making sure there's as much talent density there as possible. Now, when I spoke with Brennan, I learned that Patch is not trying to build a laid back, easygoing culture. Climate change is an urgent, potentially irreversible cliff towards which our entire civilization is barreling. And if we want to solve it, we've got to act quickly. Um, you know, as a manager, I my goal is to hire people that are incredibly intelligent to tell me what to do. I'm not. A, I'm not. I don't want to be in a position where I'm micromanaging. I'm not a good micromanager. Uh, my goal is to really 
set what the pie in the sky vision is and really find remarkable and competent people to do it because uh, you know you can't no one can do this type of endeavor alone. So with the that true autonomy um, that and like basically hands basically hands off management style, the expectation is you're gonna do what you say you're gonna do. And you know I think some people really really thrive in that environment because uh, maybe they historically have not liked being managed and they can effectively feel like their own boss deciding what gets worked on. But if we aligned on a goal and things didn't get delivered, like we're gonna have to have a, a tougher conversation because that, that comes with a cost and that's basically being held accountable for doing and choosing your own adventure, if you will, at patch. So that's a super important kind of trade-off you have to make where if you're being micromanaged and something doesn't go according to plan, it's actually really on the micromanager versus in this situation where there's, it's almost like the exact polar opposite of micromanagement. And then it can be kind of scary, but then the accountability is all on you as the executor. Our perspective that one of the few advantages that startups have is the ability to take risks, do things that don't scale, and operate quickly. And so we do all three of those things uh, very often. Um, and so the biggest thing for us is at the end of the day, like a larger incumbent can outspend us or can outhire us or even potentially even in some cases attract more exclusive talent than us because they have these really robust compensation or uh, benefits packages. For us, really, the biggest thing for us that we have is vision and the ability to move really, really quickly and give people ownership of said vision. And so that's the thing that we really, really emphasize on the team. Once you join the company, you feel incredibly concise and clear communication. We're still operating in this remote setting. So being direct is incredibly important within Patch and understanding what's at stake and what is truly urgent versus what can be deferred to later. We have this idea of assuming positive intent where if you receive you know, feedback or a piece of information and it might come off as maybe a little bit abrasive, uh, giving the other person the benefit of the doubt. At the end of the day, Everyone wants this business to be successful. And additionally, everyone wants the planet to be healthy. You know, if you go even go a zoom a layer up on like what's at stake here when it comes to the, the state of the environment. And so, you know, your default mode should be communicating with empathy. But at the end of the day, if, uh, you know, stakes are high or someone's tired or just pulled an all nighter or whatever might have happened, um, you know, that might not always come off. Now, Brennan and his co-founder Adam are based in San Francisco, so naturally the company is based there right now. But I wasn't at all surprised to hear that they're not limiting themselves to that specific geographic location or any geographic location for that matter. There's too much talent in the world to not open it up to remote folks. So I think there's always going to be the idea of like the option of coming to Patch HQ, which but the location hasn't actually been decided yet. I currently live in San Francisco, so I am anticipating it being in San Francisco, but there's a world where I'm actually a remote candidate and the HQ is somewhere else. Um, so stay tuned on that. Um, but we're not gonna make you move, but the option will always be there. And if you wanna be in that hub and feel that early startup energy, like there's nothing like being in a room with, you know, 10 or 15, 20 people that you really, really respect and you kind of feel that the, the palpable energy in the air versus now where as a, as a very, I'm a very social creature, uh, I feel just super isolated, truthfully, uh, during COVID. And I, I personally love the office and like if offices were open tomorrow, I would be going into them. If you're excited about solving climate change and believe you'd be a great addition to Patch's small, quickly growing team, pitch Brennan directly. Remember, start with why you're excited Follow up with how you want to help them. Don't make them figure that out. 
and then show them proof that you can do that kind of work. You can send your video pitch directly to Brennan at Brennan, B-R-E-N-N-A-N, at usepatch.com. I'm including his email address in the show notes as well. And if you want to discover more amazing climate positive companies and jobs and people and events, check out climatebase.org. They're not sponsoring this. I just really believe in what they're doing. That's all for this episode. Thanks so much for watching or listening. And we'll see you next time on Career Crashers. Like what you hear? Go to crash.co and join the career revolution. If you want to share your own career crash story, send it directly to me at isaac at crash.co.